Well, good evening, everyone. I know some of y'all aren't real animated and don't talk a lot, but I bet I can get you to say amen. This would be the shortest message you ever heard me preach. All right, all right. I want to share with you tonight, though, something that should be on all of our hearts. Oftentimes I say this is on my heart, but something that should be on all of our hearts. Uh, first of all, I'm just so grateful, and, and my family is too, with how quickly you've received us. We haven't even been here four months, and we already feel like your family, and you've shown us so much love, and, and the cards, and, and just the expressions of, of, of friendship and love that you've made uh, the Bridge Church truly our family, and we're so, we're so grateful for that. But I also know for a lot of us, it's a difficult time. And I know I got a call from Daniel that Rachel had cut herself bad. She's okay. She's all right. But she had to be taken in and, and looked at. And I, I know several who are not here tonight had to go to urgent care even on Christmas Eve. Um, sometimes we face difficulties. Even, even those of us who are, who are greatly blessed, we face difficulties in, in this world. And for some of us, 2022 has been a time of loss, and it's been a time where we've had to, to part with loved ones. And just today, I got a, 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 a notification that uh, somebody that I'd pastored had, had gone on to be with the Lord, somebody that I knew well, and, and it's tough, but a good friend of mine this year uh, passed away way too young. And when you see that happen, you're reminded that all the things we do, all the, the, that we try to make beautiful, and all the things that we do to, to try to make our lives peaceful, and, and all the things we do to try to make ourselves comfortable can just be taken away like that. And it's, and it's tough. We, we want to take hold of that truth that, that God is for us. And Scripture tells us if God is for us, who can be against us? And that He'll see us through, and that He'll ultimately deliver us. But there is a connotation to God that we don't often think of, and that is distance. The Bible tells us in the Old Testament that he is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Uh, he is Jehovah Jireh. He is El Roy, the God who sees. He is the God of praise. But as we just heard, there was a new dimension to the Lord that God was going to reveal himself or of himself to us that we hadn't seen before. And that was God with us. In John 1, 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man who was sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. But hear this. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name... He gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray together. 
Father, we thank you so much for the beauty of this night. We thank you for the simplicity of the songs that we sing and the the scripture passages that have been read. We thank you for the warmth and the the friendship of, of our family and brothers and sisters in Christ. But most of all, Lord, we remember the gift that you have given, giving your very self, Lord. Not simply revealing a new dimension about who you are, but Lord God, revealing yourself, giving yourself, showing yourself on this earth, suffering alongside us, Lord. Help us to be mindful of that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The way that God arranged things was Joseph would have been a young man, probably in his late 20s, preparing for his life, trying to put some wealth together to be able to support a family, developing a trade as a carpenter. A carpenter in those days, there wasn't a lot of wood around in that area of the world. So you would also learn to work with stone. He was betrothed to Mary, uh, who was a, probably a teenage girl, which in that time was the greater ceremony. Let me explain. The marriage itself, the wedding itself, was more of a party. The actual getting together, the gathering together or, or coupling uh, of two young people would have often been arranged by the families. And this would have been a solemn vow. It would have been a contract you enter into. That's why we read in Matthew when the Bible says that Joseph was a righteous man, had resolved to divorce her quietly. Now that's important to understand because what it's saying is there's two thoughts here. It would probably be better to read that Joseph being a righteous man but did not want to divorce her. Righteousness meant you were obedient to the law. And the law said that if one of those partners broke the marriage vow by lying with someone else before the wedding took place, then you could extricate yourself from that vow without penalty. And that was one of the only ways you could get out of that marriage. Once that vow had been made, even though the wedding had not occurred, even though the marriage had not been consummated, once that contract had been entered into, possibly the only way out of it was the unfaithfulness of one or two of the parties. And so the Bible says that Joseph found out that this woman, he, this young woman he was betrothed to, that he probably didn't know very well, they would have been at least 10 years apart. They didn't go to high school together. Their families had arranged this. And so he finds out that this young woman is pregnant. And the Bible says that Joseph, being a righteous man, meaning he wanted to adhere to the law, but also didn't want to disgrace her or subject her to public humiliation. And so it says he, he, he decided to, to divorce her quietly. Joseph was righteous but didn't want to shame her. They likely, like I said, didn't know each other well and it would seem like Joseph was the kind of man who understood New Testament grace maybe in a way no one else other than his ancestor King David did. So think about that. God selected Mary, and we consider that often at Christmas, but he also selected the man he wanted her to marry and the man he wanted to raise his son. Now, it's interesting because the angel appears to Joseph and tells him two things. Says, name him Jesus or Yeshua, meaning salvation. We would translate that word actually Joshua. And so the angel says, name him Yeshua, but he will be called Emmanuel. 
This is not a nickname, guys. This is, this is a title. His name will be Yeshua, salvation. But he will be called, he will be known as Emmanuel, God with us, as we just read in that passage. And so as we go into a new year, there's so much uncertainty. People are fearful. Daniel and I were talking about how uh, home rates and, and the, the prices of home are, are crashing and people are worried about it. I'm happy because I'm looking to buy a home six months from now. But to you, <laughs> to, you who are, to you who are in your house thinking about selling it, sorry. Uh, we see war going on. We see sickness still all around us. We're grateful that it's not as bad as it was. But there's still 500 people dying a day from COVID in our country. We see all these things, all these uncertainties happening around us as we go into 2023. And look, if it, if it was just that God were for me, I think that would be enough. But God wants us to know him deeper than that. He doesn't want us to just know him that he is a God who heals. He is a God who, I said before, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, El Roy. He provides, he heals, he sees. But not, he's not just a God who does things for us. He's a God who goes through things with us. He wasn't simply with us when he came to this earth. He is still with us today. Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. I don't know what size crowd we have. We have a pretty full house and that's great. I don't know how many visitors there are. I've met a few. I don't know how many people are serious about going about God. But one thing I know, I'd be, if I were a betting man, I'd say there's at least two or three of us here that have come to worship him. We have come to gather in the name of Jesus. And Jesus can be trusted when he says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there will I be in the midst of them. He's not just Emmanuel when he was born and when he taught and when he died. He is Emmanuel to us today. We have an enemy that wants us to forget that when the doctor gives us the bad diagnosis, when we go through things at work and there's that person that's trying to just run us down and, and make our lives miserable, when we, when we have to deal with children that we fear for their souls, we go through difficult things on this earth and God wants you to know, I'm not just for you, I'm with you. I'm with you tonight. I am not just a distant God who is arranging circumstances on your behalf. I am a God who is nearby, who is going through things as you go through them. He hurts when we hurt. One of the things that blew my mind when I began to study theology, and when people would ask questions like, if God is a loving God, how can he let there be suffering? How can he let children die? And those were difficult questions until I realized... God is an omniscient God, meaning God knows everything. But he doesn't simply know everything intellectually. In other words, if you hit your hand with a hammer and it hurt. See, intellectually, I could watch you hit your hand with a hammer. I could know it hurt you. But I wouldn't know what the pain felt like. The only way for God to be all-knowing is for God to experience that pain as well. There was no pain there was no sickness. There was no suffering before we rebelled against him. Every bit of disease, every divorce, 
every child who's abused, all of that is a result of our separating ourselves from God. And God doesn't simply just know these things from a distance. God feels every hurt as we feel them. He could not be God if he didn't. We brought into the equation suffering to God. There's a, a passage in, in the New Testament, and it's fantastic in its implication. It simply says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. We have the capacity to bring grief to God. That's how deep his love for us is. Moms and dads, when your child hurts, do you not hurt? Do you not grieve? When they suffer loss, do you not feel pain as well? He is not just called our Heavenly Father as some title. He is truly and genuinely a father to us. He is truly and genuinely, if you go back to the earliest chapters of Scripture where God is creating Adam and Eve, and He's creating for the first time beings who will reflect Him in a way no other beings have ever reflected Him. Angels, elders, living creatures, seraphim and cherubim, none of them were designed to rule and reign. And yet God creates humanity. He creates Adam. And he says for the first time, because he said it's good when he created the, the stars. It's good when he created the earth. It's good when he created the ocean. And he creates Adam and he says it's not good that man should be alone. Because by himself, Adam could not accomplish the purpose for which he was created. And so Eve is created. And God looks upon the two of them designed to reflect him. And he says, it is very good. It's very good. It reflects me in a way that nothing else in creation, the stars, the trees, the fish, they're good. But this is very good. God, for the first time, had fellowship with humanity, with creatures that He had designed to rule and reign. He truly was Emmanuel to them. And the Bible says that they walked with God, they fellowshiped together with Him. They were in His presence until they rebelled against Him. And for centuries, for millennia, that distance grew and grew and grew. At the end of Malachi, you have this 400-year pause where no scripture is written. Nothing is said. And the very next chapter, Matthew 1, speaks of the coming of Jesus Christ as Emmanuel. This may be a very different Christmas for many of you as it is for Ruth and I. Our family's on the other side of the country. I woke up this morning and Ruth was on the phone with, with her dad. He's, he's 90 years old. I talked with my mother the other day. She's 93 years old. We don't know how many more Christmases they'll have left. Ruth recently lost her mother. We've, like I said, lost, lost friends this year. And this, this year may be a different Christmas for a lot of you too. It's easy to feel distant from God. It's easy to feel isolated. It's easy to ask the question, where is God in the midst of my suffering? So let me encourage you and even challenge you this Christmas Eve. Don't let your hope that things get better in the world or things get better in your life be what you are depending on to walk in joy. Some of us are hopeful and we get these little things on social media. Just claim this, that this is going to be a better year. Some, some of y'all put that up at the end of 2019 and you felt pretty dumb, didn't you? <laughs> I'm just claiming this is going to be a great year. Well, I, I, I want to have a word with whoever put that one up. God had different plans. 
Don't trust that your situation has to get better. Don't trust that the world has to get better for you to walk in joy in the coming year. God would not have to remind us that he is near had we not brought about the circumstances that make him seem distant. He wouldn't have to remind us that he is near if we hadn't brought about the circumstances that make him feel distance. Adam and Eve walking with him in the garden never felt that distance. And the birth of Jesus Christ wasn't just about paying the debt of sin. It was about reversing the effect of sin, about our being able to know God for who he truly is, Emmanuel. So I want to ask you to just take a moment. We're going to share communion together in the midst of the busyness of this season, in the midst of the fears of the world around us. I want us to intentionally remind ourselves that Jesus was named salvation, but called Emmanuel. The first has to do with who he is. The second has to do with what he would produce in us. I used to work as a driver years ago. I was probably in my early 20s. And I would listen to this small Christian radio station. And in the afternoons, they would sometimes give the broadcast of the, the basketball games that were being played. It was just a school basketball game. But I remember there was this young man who was an exceptional two-sports star who went on to play quarterback with the Washington Redskins, and I think he's now a broadcaster at ESPN. And his name was Danny Cannell. Uh, he didn't become a, an all-star or anything. He didn't become... But I remember just listening as they would talk about him playing, playing basketball. And if somebody had said back then, he will become a starting quarterback in the NFL, that would have been an impressive prediction. That would have been a 16, 17-year-old kid. Imagine the broadcaster saying, there's Danny Cannell. He's going to go on to become a, a starting quarterback in the NFL. But the Bible says that Jesus would have such an effect on those who welcomed him. To all who received him, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. If you're not experiencing his nearness... It isn't because God is keeping that from you. It's his expressed desire that we know him, not only as a God in heaven who works for us, but as a God who dwells with us. And before you leave this place, if you haven't done it already, you have the opportunity to invite him to fulfill that purpose in you. If you have never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, if you've never asked him, to forgive you of your sins, if you've never asked him to come to you and take up residence in your life and to be the Lord over it, what better time than Christmas Eve to do so? I saw a post today from a man. He's retired in his 70s. And he was talking about more than 50 years ago on Christmas Day, having given his life to Jesus Christ for the rest of his life, as many years as he has on this earth. He'll never forget the day he gave his life to Jesus. But maybe you're somebody who knows Jesus and you've been lonely. You've been facing fear. You've, you've been dealing with uncertainty. And there's a lot of tough stuff that's around us. This is a great night to reintroduce yourself to Emmanuel, God with us. He did not bring you here tonight simply to hear more about him and then to leave him here until the next time you visit. 
I hope you're able to make it tomorrow. But Jesus Christ is not to be left in the building and then just picked up the next time we get here. He is Emmanuel. He wants to go home with you. He wants to reside in you. That's who he is. And it only takes your invitation to make that more than just part of the Christmas story and to make him the Lord of your life. Let me share with you a couple of passages as we get ready. And if you have the element, you can go ahead and take the element of bread in your hands. The Bible says and promises us that as often as we do this, we proclaim his death until he comes. We're not simply here tonight celebrating something that happened historically 2,000 years ago. We're here tonight to remind ourselves that Jesus didn't just come and teach us and go away, but that he is here tonight by his spirit and that he will return to us and exist among us. The Bible says that he will return in the same way he left. And the Bible says if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that indwells you. Verse 27 of 1 Corinthians says, Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Well, that's not a good thing. It may make you want to take pause. But Paul gives the prescription. He says, Examine yourself before you eat the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. In other words, we're not just eating and we're not just drinking. We're not just sharing communion for ourselves. We're doing this in community as the family of God that Jesus purchased for himself. For I received, Paul says, from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's share the bread together. At the end of the meal, he took the cup in his hand. They would have eaten a fine Passover meal, but they were also aware that Jesus was going to his suffering. And so he took the cup, and he shared it with each of them, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. Let's share the cup together. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this evening of celebration. We thank you for this praise team, Lord, that has ministered to us. We thank you for each one that has reminded us of your word. You have been so gracious to us, Lord, to call us together to worship you tonight. Father, help us to be mindful, Lord, that you are Emmanuel, you are with us, Lord. Help us to, before we leave this place, if we haven't, truly, truly worship you. I thank you, Lord, that we've been able to sing to you. I thank you that we've been spoken to about what you've done for us. 
But Lord, we take these few moments before we leave this house. And Father, we simply offer ourselves in worship. We glorify you. We thank you. We praise you, Lord, for all you've done, Lord, in 2022. Father God, even in the the times where we don't understand why you've allowed what you've allowed, we know that you are a good God. Father God, that you will cause all things to work together for our good. And Lord, we know that we can go confidently into 2023, knowing that our God will not only be for us, but that he will be with us. In Jesus' name, amen.